Hello, and welcome to another episode of Endeavors. On today's show, I speak with the president of the Independent Web Creators of Canada and a board member of the TO Webfest, Rodney V. Smith. Also, renowned character actor Joe Pantoliano stops by to talk about his starring role in the great new Canadian film From the Vine. That's coming up on Endeavors. You're listening to Endeavors Radio with your host from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Dan McPeak. Well, welcome to the show. It is Friday, July 10th. I'm recording this, and I hope you are all well, safe, and healthy. Web series, web content, and streaming have been rapidly on the rise and increasing, even within the last three years. Especially uh, in times of corona, audiences are increasingly turning to the web to keep themselves entertained. The Independent Web Creators of Canada is a non-profit organization of Canadian web content creators advocating for each other and a better digital media world. They are proud to support and promote the needs and activities of independent, creator-driven, and audience-focused web projects. One project that they've been working on for the last several years is the TO Web Fest. Interestingly enough, although the Web Fest features all content that was all created for streaming and for the web, it has largely played in a physical theater, except for this year it has gone virtual, which was actually quite easy for them. There are many categories, including Canadian Spotlight, Triple Threat Tour, Toronto Series, Canadian Series, Web Series, Diversity Story, LGBTQ Plus Story, Science Fiction and Fantasy, Drama, Comedy, Horror and Thriller, Low Budget, Family, Online Short, Podcast, and Documentary and Lifestyle, as well as craft categories such as screenplay, editing, and production design. Some of the nominated shows include How to Buy a Baby, Throwback 89, The Square Root, Public Writer, Dead End, and many, many others. Rodney V. Smith is the president of the IWCC, which puts on the WebFest. The WebFest is currently running now through July 13th, and I spoke with Rodney last weekend. Rodney Smith, how's it going, man? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How's, uh, how's quarantine treating you? Uh, it's uh, treating me well. Just I you know, tried to make the adjustments, just like everyone else. Yeah, um, but you you have a you are part of a, a new event coming, or not a new event, but an event coming up called the uh, TO Webfest or or, or, or Toronto uh, Webfest because you are the president of the uh, Ontario Web Creators. Do I have that right? Um, well, actually, it's Independent Web Creators of Canada, but, Canada. but I'll let you have that one. <laughs> um, so first of all, what, what, what is this organization and, and, and how did they get involved with WebFest? Well, uh, WebFest actually um, is a natural part of the IWCC. The IWCC is, um, is an organization uh, that uh, we've been around for, I think, since um, 2013. 
um, at least illegally. But um, before that, we were a loose organization of, um, of web series creators on Facebook. Uh, we, we just finally got together and said, you know what, we should be doing something more. So we, we started this whole membership organization where, where web creators could get together and help each other. Uh, because being a web series creator back in 2011 or so was a very lonely thing. And even now, it's, it's, a, it's a lonely thing because sometimes when you're out there, you're creating, getting your, your actors together and everything and trying to put the web series in the world, it can feel like you're the only one doing it when you have the support of your peers. And you know that if someone else is out there going through the same troubles as you are, it helps to have someone who understands what you're going through. So um, that, that's, um, that's how the IWCC formed. Um, after about a year, actually, actually I think in the second year was when Teal Webfest uh, came about because um, there was, while we had the membership um, organization and everyone was there, we needed some place that we could celebrate web series. And instead of have people having to leave the country and go to Holly Web or, um, Marseille or, or any of these other web series festivals that are popping up, we decided that we needed to host our own. What does it mean to be a web creator? Because it, it feels like that term and, and the concept of web content and streaming has changed so much even within the last five years. It's uh, changed so much in the, in the last year alone. The, the the whole the whole concept of being a web series creator was different um, when when we first started because now um, it back then it was like a, um, a place where we could go and create our content because we understood the web we understood what um, what viewers wanted so um, we, we we knew okay we could go and do five minute episodes here and there put them up on YouTube or um, other, other platforms and tell stories that we wanted to tell, that we needed to tell. Because um, there is a difference between content that is created for the web and content that is let's say, created as a short story or feature and then broken up to become a web uh, series. Because when you write a web series, you're writing in the, in the episodic format. When you write a, a feature, it's, you, know, you, ha you have your whole big arc but it's not, it's, not, it's not exactly a series, so it doesn't um, always translate well. Um, that, that holds true the same as it did um, back in 2011. Right now, uh, I believe it's, it's really turned around to where people are writing more episodic. They understand the, the whole episodic nature of things because the episodic nature of TV itself has changed with, um, with HBO coming out um, and doing more um, well, not really short form, but uh, it's you know like it shows like um, like Game of Thrones, for instance. I you know it's, it's it's a big level thing, uh, with a much bigger budget than we can wish for. But if you look at it, it kind of encapsulates some of what we web series creators are going for on, on a shorter scale, um, where everything is uh, you have the arc over the the, se the whole season, but the the episodes are are directly pretty much exactly how the creators want it to be. You know, it, it feels like web content or, or streaming content has gone mainstream now. And that's where a lot of the big television writers are going like Shonda Rhimes, Ryan Murphy, uh, you know, and you have these, all these different platforms, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, you know, whatever. How has this maybe, how was the, the, the main, how was, streaming going mainstream and, and, and the saturation of that market, how do you think that's affected maybe these, these smaller five, 10 minute episodes that you see on, on YouTube red, for example? Well, it's changed the landscape a little bit. If anything, it's put more of, um, of an eye on it where people are actually more aware of web series content. So um, the, the, the bigger shows is bigger budgets than you know, the, the, this, the celebrities coming in, like with Quibi and everything, even though Quibi um, kind of fizzled, um, it's, it, it did put a lot more interest in web series where people understood, hey, there's actually good content out there on the web and it's not people just sharing cat videos. So that, that was very important. You know, and ev everyone's talking about, you know, how artists are, are going to be appreciated once we come out of the quarantine. How do you think... 
um, how do you think being in the situation that we're in ha has made viewers appreciate artists and what we watch on the web that much more, if at all? Um, I don't, I don't really, I don't know. This it's kind of up in the air. Um, people have been trying to scramble to try to to get things on the on the web right now, and the web is where we really lived. So uh, the viewer experience is 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 mutable. I mean, like we, right now. I'd say people are appreciating it a little bit more, um, but on, on a large scale, I'm hoping that they'll come out of it with really more appreciation uh, of, of what it takes to actually create something. But because um, they're they're going to be they've gone through a lot of content really really fast. Is uh, I'm I'm just um, very much aware of how much the whole quarantine situation has hurt web series creators. Because we are unable to get you know our our people together uh, to shoot to shoot the episodes anymore, and it's um, it may have actually crippled a lot of web series this year. So I, I'm kind of torn between the the, the audience um, audience reaction to it and the creators reaction. Right. You know, um, if you're you know if you're on network or or even you know things like Netflix, there are certain regulations that that creators and organizations have to abide by. For for the IWCC, um, is 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 that a thing at all? Like when when people create content, do you, do you have to worry about you know um, regulations with you know with uh, uh, the, the the telecommunications board or saying you you can't say this or you can't say this or or does do web creators have complete freedom in that sense? Web series creators do have complete freedom. They can create pretty much whatever they want. However, we do advise people to abide by some of the guidelines, especially when thinking about distribution, because it's, you're not creating content in a vacuum. Um, at some point, you want to get it out. And if uh, something that you're, you're doing goes against, say, you, uh, Amazon's um, principles or, or their rules, then and your pitch to Amazon has just fizzled completely. You're never going to get it up on that platform. Same goes to to CBC or or any others. It's more about um, placing not not placing constraints, but letting people be aware of the different rules and um, and guidelines that they're going to have to follow because there is a certain standard that people must must uphold. They, while at the same time, of course, not censoring them, but it's really all about where you want your your content to end up. Uh, so, like I said, uh, we have the 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 Tia Web Fest uh, coming up this 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 coming week. Uh, how involved is the is the IWCC in in the Tia Web Fest? We are very involved. Tia Web Fest pretty much takes up the the past six months of of our year. So it's um, it's incredible. Um, it's an incredible festival and it's incredible um, amount of work that goes into it, just um, getting the, all of the applications in and handling all of that material. And um, we are a volunteer organization. So we have, um, we have Mike, uh, Michael Evask, he, he's the, the festival director, and he's been um, trying, to, trying to streamline um, the entire process, but he's, he's also the vice president on the IWCC. And, um, and over the past six months, a lot of our focus has shifted towards um, promoting the TO, TO Web Fest um, and just make sure that we can have a, as good an event as possible because this is, this is our showcase and, and it's the one of our places where we have a chance to show off our members and outreach to other web, web series festivals around the world and the web series creators and, and really meet them. So um, even, even if they're not members of the IWCC, it, it's still good, a good time to reach out our hands and say, hi, this is who we are. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just looking at the the nominations and uh, the different categories here, and a couple that struck me were Triple Threat Tour, and then Diversity Story Spotlight, uh, and LGBTQ Story Spotlight. How important is it to have those specific categories rather than including, let's say, an LGBTQ story in like drama series or or a comedy series? What, for you, what's the importance of having uh, a separate category for that? Uh, well, it's important to, to celebrate those voices because um, while you have a lot of LGBTQ material, for instance, or, or diverse material, 
from um, creators of different backgrounds, they will end up in, um, say, in, in a comedy or in drama according to the actual genres. So we want to make sure that we are, we are taking a, a full spotlight and saying these, these are some outstanding series that, uh, that you might have missed in, in, the, in the regular genres. We want, to, we want to make sure that people are seeing, seeing them, recognizing that these, that these series exist and that they need to be celebrated. Uh, another one of your categories is uh, diversity story spotlight, and, and that's a, a conversation that's everywhere right now, di diversity in, in, in the industry. Um, as, as sort of the, the, the head of, of this whole, whole festival, how, how would you describe what diversity is? Do you have specific metrics for, for what meets diversity? Um, yeah, there, there, are, there are a few. I'm like, um, I guess the biggest thing is, is really not just about it being, um, being a black series or being a series um, just full of, of Indian people or, or just uh, having a mixture of it. It's really something that, uh, that showcases the, um, the different kinds of people and culture. So it's not just like saying a web series comes along and they have a few a few roles and they cast black people in there or cast Indian people or, or Chinese people or whoever in those roles. It's that, that most mostly those roles were actually written for those characters. So and and that actually comes across in, in how the actors portray it and how the the directors go ahead and um, and portray those roles as well because there is a difference between. Um, just tossing a person of color in a role, and um, and actually having someone who is who is of a diverse background uh, represented properly. So, how do you, yeah? Uh, how do you go about? You know, what, I guess what what's the, the the nomination process like for you? You you get applications from from various uh, creators, but how do you go about deciding? Okay, I we we're going to showcase these series, or we're going to nominate this and this. What do you have a certain selection process? Yeah, that's been going on for a while. Uh, we opened up the applications back in November, and um, and so far, well, actually, for this year, we received about two hundred and seventy-five different series from around the world. So it's a matter of um, of our of our selection committee going and watching every single one of these shows and, um, and just judging them um, based on, on the, on the quality and um, qual quality and story and everything, they, they, those come first. And then from there it's peering down the ones that will, that will do well in the, in the festival um, and will, will, will definitely be, be a good, um, a good showing. So from there, then it's a matter of, Pairing out, um, re recognizing which ones um, fit the the, 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 the diversity. Um, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry, my throat is a little dry here now. Uh, the diversity uh, LGBTQ and the special categories. So you you have um, you have a lot of peering down that comes after the fact, and it's a lot of work. I, I also know that um, WebFests includes a, a category for, for podcasts, which is uh, somewhat unusual for festivals that mainly just focus on, 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 the, vi on the visual content. Um, where, where, did, where did that decision to, come, uh, uh, to include podcasts come from? I think that started last year. Podcasts have been on the rise um, for, for a long time. I, I remember back in 2012, I did, I did a, a web series based on on um, on podcasters, so it was it was actually a big surprise uh, last year when when uh, we made the decision. Hey, let's let's get a podcast see, uh, podcast series into the, into the festival because they're they're coming up and they're they're doing good things and they're telling stories. They're telling a lot of stories in in different ways, and it's not just all about the visual. They they are using all the sound effects and everything, just going back to the to the old radio shows, and they're doing something vastly different and is hugely important to to the web so we recognize them as as web series just non-visual web series how, how how do you review something like that because the 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 visual element is is taking out so when when when, when you're just listening to a story what what do you what do you listen for how how does perhaps your 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 review of of that story 
change without the visual? Storytelling. That's the, that's the biggest thing right there. It's all about storytelling. And in, uh, when, when you do have a podcast, it's, going, it's not just someone reading or, or telling you a story. It's about, no, well, they're telling a the story, but they aren't just reading. They're, they're weaving um, this entire narrative that sucks you in and you have to, you have to listen and really get wrapped up in, in the whole visual. Like sometimes, well, not visual, sorry, but you know, sometimes it's, um, it's just the sound effects that they're, they're using to, to layer the, the story, or it's just someone's voice uh, in, in some cases where they're able to, um, to pull you in just with, with their voice alone and the story that they're telling. And there's, there's so many different things that go into, into the podcast and every single one is different. So, they just they're just lovely things to to listen to. What do you what do you attribute the explosion in podcast creation to? Um, not having to use a camera, <laughs> I think that that kind of simplifies things a lot. Um, I, I've actually been fooling around with um, doing my own podcast, but it is wicked hard, and you have to find the right format. So some people are are having success, and some people are just throwing it out there and just growing as they you know just figuring things out as they go so uh i think it 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 gives there there's a chance for growth there but they there is so little uh at risk in in some cases that they can just go out and do it for fun and just really really get their um their act together until they actually say hey you know what this this is actually going to go somewhere we can build an audience with this so you know, looking at the earlier episodes and the later episodes, you can see a vast difference. So I think people just see the chance for growth. What are you looking forward to most about WebFest this year? Um, pulling it off. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, COVID has, um, has really kicked us in, in the shins um, in this one. Uh, but from the, the time that, um, that we saw what was coming, we had already begun discussing the possibility of holding online. We, we are uniquely, we're in a very unique position to hold a web festival since most of our, our festival, so our content is on the web anyway, but right now we're, we're taking it and, and pa just packaging it in, um, in our screening blocks and um, trying to find ways that we can showcase it and really promote the series because the whole point of a festival is getting it in front of audiences. So with, uh, with, the of our, with the help of all of our sponsors and all our partners and everything, um, and the, all these panels that we're hosting, um, the, we're able to, to just take it and put it online. The, the panels have been one of the, the biggest challenges because uh, we do this uh, thing called um, uh, Connect every year. And that's, that's usually sponsored by Ontario Creates. Um, used to be the OMBC, but Ontario Creates is, um, is a big partner in this, and they've been extremely helpful just getting um, this understanding of where we're going and how we're going to adapt to to the um, to the to the changing landscape, where we can now actually pull off the whole Connect event on a virtual on a virtual basis. But I think um, looking at how we were going to pull that off kind of put us in a frame in a mindset of how we can actually do the rest of the panels um, and do it in a, in a way that's really um, striking. So we have, we have a lot of good programming coming up and, um, and it's, it's been challenging, but, uh, but I'm looking forward to getting it out there and just making sure that people are, are satisfied with uh, the great festival experience. How do you think COVID is going to change or do you think the festival experience will change once we come out of this and are, and are allowed to be a society again? Uh, well, I know we've been talking about um, what is going to happen because uh, COVID looks like it may be around for, for a bit. And even if we're, we're fully out of it next year, there's some elements of um, what we're doing this year for the, the virtual festival that we definitely want to keep. So um, we're just going to see exactly what we can pull off and how we can offer more to, um, to, the, to the festival experience so that it's not just all about being, being there at the festival. Uh, in some cases, uh, we have some, some series that are under contract or um, are needed to be geo-blocked, but in most cases, um, we should be able to 
to expose the the series in a festival to a global audience. Um, and of course, the series that, that uh, can't be shown, we're we're going to have just put limitations on that. You know, just geo block geo block the screening. Well, uh, the Tia Webfest runs from the 9th to 13th of July, I do believe, um, as well as you have the digital platform from July 10th to 12th. Uh, Rodney Smith, thanks so much for your time today. Well, thank you very much for having me. Best of luck at the festival. All right, well, thanks a lot. All right, ciao. All right, bye. That was my conversation with Rodney V. Smith. He is the president of the Independent Web Creators of Canada who put on the TO Web Fest, and that is running now through July 13th. Please visit iwcc-ciwc.ca or towebfest.com. In the world of film and television, there are your leading men, your DiCaprios, your De Niro's, your Clooney's. And then there are your character actors. Actors who are chameleons, who swiftly move back and forth between comedy, drama, romance, thriller, action. Steve Buscemi is one that comes to mind. Another one who has had a long and successful career playing a diverse set of roles is Joe Pantoliano, who has appeared in over 150 film, television, and stage productions. After his early roles in the TV series MASH and the hit 1983 comedy Risky Business, which launched the career of one Tom Cruise, he has also appeared in such films as La Bamba, Empire of the Sun, The Fugitive, Memento, The Matrix, series such as The Sopranos, Hill Street Blues, and N.Y. P.D. Blue. But, you know, he's done Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, The Adventures of Pluto Nash, Ready to Rumble, U.S. Marshals, Calendar Girl, Midnight Run. But for many people, he will always be Francis Fratelli from The Goonies. He is the star of a lovely new Canadian film from The Vine which follows a CEO who quits his job and returns to his hometown in Italy to restart his grandfather's vineyard. It co-stars Wendy Crewson and Paula Brancati. Now, I actually interviewed Paula the day before I talked with Joe, uh, and you will hear that referenced in the interview and my chat with Paula will be up next week. In the meantime, I'm so thrilled he came on the show. Here is my conversation with Joe Pantoliano. Joe Pantoliano, how are you today? I'm pretty good, how are you? I'm doing all right. I don't even know what week I'm in anymore of quarantine, but you know how this goes. <laughs> Yeah, we actually have a family member that was contacted by the COVID task force yesterday. Uh, she was in contact with someone with COVID, so we all have to get tested today at four. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we've been exposed. And how are you? Are, are you, are you, you had a little bit of a concussion a couple months ago. You, you feeling better? Well, yeah, um, but it was actually, it, it was worse than that. Turns out I broke a bone in my eardrum, so I've lost uh, 
about 70% of my hearing. And I saw the surgeon yesterday. I'm going to have to have an operation uh, to try to correct it. So, uh, you know, I have this constant humming in my head. Uh, drowns out the voices, so that's good. <laughs> um Speaking of voices, you have a new film uh, from the Vine. Um, I had a chance to talk to your to your co-star Paula yesterday about the film. Um, uh-huh. But you you got to shoot this film in Italy. Um, yeah, what well, was that Toronto, experience, we, we was did, that experience we did, like did, for you? Huh? What was that experience like for you shooting in Italy? Well, it was it was. Uh... It was magical. I mean, I, I've shot I've shot in Italy before, but usually in Rome. Um, but Acerenza, which is a little village in the uh, Basilicata region, way up in the mountains above Potenza, and uh, I've never I've never lived in a, a village like that where there are no hotels. Uh, we all stayed Airbnb. The closest hotel was actually Putanza, which was a 45-minute drive through the mountains every day. So, you know, it would be an hour and a half. So we all did these Airbnb apartments off-season. So there was one restaurant in the village that was open, that stayed open for us. And we had our breakfast there. They catered our lunch at whatever location we were at. And then when we finished work, we'd all go home and change and then go to the restaurant for dinner. It was great. It was, a, it was like being at summer camp. But having the ability to work, work with these, you know, wonderful Italian uh, actors, local Italians that never acted before, that was so good. And, uh, and then my, my Canadian colleagues, some of which I'd worked before, because I've done a lot of work in, in Canada also. But it was uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful time. You you also speak um, Italian a little bit in, in in certain scenes. What are the challenges for you when when acting in another language? Learning the language. Uh, I had uh, our our associate producer uh, Blue, who who was also the set translator, and uh, and so. We worked to a couple hours a day, just phonetically getting the words and then understanding the meaning of it. And then she was there all the time, you know, giving me help. Uh, so it was, all, it was a lot. It was a lot of fun, uh, you know. And, and these these new challenges are always uh, personally you're fearful, you're scared. But I got a lot of I got a lot of front, um, a lot of help from from. You know, Sean and 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 uh, and Blue and, and even Jenny, the script supervisor, was uh, was my 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 right arm. I mean, um, because budgetarily, it was a small movie and it had to be made uh, on time. And and uh, if if you didn't get scenes on the day, those scenes would not be in the movie. You all, you also have a couple of scenes where where your character talks to the vines or or or, or, or talks to the plants. Um, what's it like for you acting in a scene with nobody else on camera? That that you're sort of you're just talking to yourself in a way. Yeah. Um, well, the technical aspect of the digitalization, because when the movie's complete, uh, you can see the plants talking, uh, and uh, and so I was a little nervous that that they could make this work because it's a very expensive process, this digital processing, to become more expensive than human actors. Uh, so I was completely uh, pleased to see how good it was, and it you know it made complete sense. And uh, you know when you do sh- scenes like that. You're really not talking because you, you have you have uh, usually the script supervisor who's reading the offstage lines. So it, you're actually hearing the lines. You're hearing your cues, uh, um, and 
it's like you know, it's like as if you were actually working with the, with another actor. Uh, the the film is obviously a, a, about a man who goes to Italy and tries to find himself, starts a vineyard. Th this idea of questioning the past and sort of whether whether our our life has any meaning meaning why do you think we we sort of we go through these phases every now and then of of questioning ourselves and why is that important well i think we're a we're we're the byproduct of the memories that we're made whether they're you know traumatic or happy um so so revisiting your past to find comfort in your present or looking into your future, we so much of the time we're neither in the present. We're either stuck in the past or anxious about the future. And uh, and in this character's case, he was so he was such a workaholic that he didn't he he, he didn't even have an understanding that his marriage was suffering as a result of it that that he'd lost contact with the, his only daughter uh, and, and that because of an event of conscience uh, uh, in, in the beginning of the movie, uh, he, he winds up going back to the only time he remembers being happy, um, which, is, which was deep rooted in his past when he was seven years old before he was uprooted uh, by his mother uh, to go to America for a better life. Um, and, uh, and so he interacts with his memories. Um, now, most people uh, or doctors would call that schizophrenia. And, uh, and, and, and a lot of people, well, in the movie, my wife, Wendy Kirsten, uh, and my daughter, Paula, um, they come to Italy to, to save their financial future because they think I've lost my mind. Uh, and so does he, but he finds that everything that he was taught about working hard, going to the right school and making money. And when you achieve those goals, then you'll be happy. And so many of us discover, I could see a lot of myself in that character that that when you achieve those goals and you, you, you're, you're lost because you're saying, well, I got everything that I was told was going to fill my life and, uh, and I feel empty. And so I think it's really a humorous way to open up a, a window to a little mirror where the audience will get to see parts of themselves and explore, you know, the, the wonderful, the, those wonderful moments of being a child where you have nothing to worry about, you know, Best, first, first 10, 11 years of your life is pretty much the best part, unless you have some insight and understanding to, to your past. You know, on that note, there's, there's a scene between Marco and Lara where she says, you were trying to turn me into you. And I think we either, I think we spend half our lives trying to avoid becoming our parents, and then we inevitably become them. Um, why do you think we spend where why do you think we inevitably become those which we try to avoid being oh man you know um i think that unresolved childhood emotional traumas uh also it's marketing you know you're 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 closest to those people you know you 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 are what you are taught. You are you are what you eat. You are, you know, those kinds of exposures. Uh, the, but the important part is that you should take the best parts and leave the rest behind. So any kind of trauma that has kind of tripped you up, they're not. They're, they're temporary roadblocks. They're not permanent digressions. And, uh, you know, so they, as they say, a life not examined is not a life well lived. You know, um, just like the movies that we love as kids, they, they live with us. I'm sure you didn't see the Goonies last week. But that, 
that T-shirt reminds you of a, of an innocent time, right? Uh, that 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 you can glory in, and and you know, it reminds you of your memories of, of, of especially today. We are we are going through a very chaotic time in the world. It's like it's not just my country or your country; it's the world. We are suffering. We are living in a modern day plague and the only force of action is to do what they were doing 2000 years ago is to isolate and cover your mouth you know it's like we think we're we're these big big tough sophisticated cultures and uh and yet we uh we are regulated to fear, anxiety uh, of of not getting it, or in my country, um, so many people are, are so um, what's the word? They they feel like they're immune to this disease, you know. And it and, and the fish always stinks at the top, and and I'm living in a country now. That's that's a wall has been built up where we can't go to Europe. Like if I if I wanted to get out of here, you know, like the house is on fire, I can't. Canada won't have me. Europe won't have me. Mexico won't have me. I mean, I I can write a letter to our prime minister saying we we can let Joey Pants in, but uh, you know. I know him. He's a great guy. Yeah, but, you know, I could use that. I could use the help. <laughs> I'm ready to come. I got to get out of here. Um. We, you know, we, we talk about how your your character, Marco, kind of runs away to kind of find himself. It strikes you that we are in a place where we were, at least for a while, we were valuing work over happiness. Um, and I know you've, you've done a lot of work in in mental health activism. How do you think we need to, to, to change the, the conversation around work culture and, and work-life balance and look at something like, you know, happiness of, of a nation versus just output well it's a big question you look at it i mean america is a a great example here we are we're 130,000, a minimum 130,000 people have died probably more like 250,000. they died and and we have the leader of of our country saying that the remedy for this disease is to go back to work. To go back to work and, and to start shopping again and not wear and politicizing wearing a mask, which is the one thing that gives you a chance of not catching it. Uh, so it's idiotic. It's, a, it's, it's madness. We are in a nation that is absolutely insane. And I think the insanity is a result of the commercials and the propaganda that is shoved down our throats every time you turn on a TV set. Uh, that that you know that consumerism is going to beat this disease is absolutely idiotic. You know. Um, and 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 we're in a you know in a country now that nobody believes anybody um the the divicity that 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 is going on has has damaged and infected this country for for years to come no matter who the next president is uh you know um and, and it's all about selling soap it's all about you know they they judge the, the stock market based on what people are buying, but nobody stops to think that everybody's buying on credit. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they're just getting their credit card bills up and the anxiety is go out and shop. So I was in, I had to go for a medical test as a result of this car accident. I'm going to have to have an operation on my ear because I broke a bone when I, when I hit my head and I was in this, big city with a big university uh, 
here in America, in Connecticut, uh, a New Haven, Connecticut, where Yale, the school Yale is. And it was like walking into a ghost town. I mean, this is a metropolitan city where all the restaurants are closed, all the shops are closed, a lot of, a lot of restaurants, a lot of the buildings are, you know, for, sign, for rent signs. It's unbelievable. And, and, and if you don't see it on your television set, you don't know it's ex that it's existing. Um, but, you know, we're in bad shape. And, and, and so this movie is, well, it's a TV. It's going to, you know, the, the theaters are closed, so you can't go to the movies to see this film, uh, which is a pity. But you can watch it, and for a couple hours, you can revisit your own past, make it a, make a plate of pasta, have a glass of wine, and, uh, and, uh, and be reminded in a humorous way how important family is and friends and that work and making money is not the answer. What do you think Marco is ultimately looking for? What, what's, what's his journey? Well, I think the be journey begins when he's lost. You know, he's, uh, he's in the kitchen with his wife and, and, and then the, a little fire begins and the next thing you know, he's lost and he's, you know, he's searching, he's searching for his past. Uh, he's searching for Acherenza, where he was born. Uh, it, 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 he's lost his, his native language. Um, he's, uh, he's trying to find what he's lost. In the course of this, he is reminded, and, uh, and, in, and in being reminded, he takes a chance on, on the past, and, uh, and making his past his present and hoping that that's going to heal his future. So when his wife and daughter come to, you know, to put a net around him, they want to stick him in a straitjacket and take him home because they think he's lost his mind. He's, he's cashed out and they're broke. But they get there and they go, wow, this place is something. Uh, and we find love again. It's very romantic, don't you think? Yeah, well, on that note, like I was gonna say, because there are some definitely very funny comic scenes, and then there are very tender romantic scenes with, between you and Wendy. How do you how do you adjust to that shift in tone as an actor going back and forth? Because you need to be in a different mindset for a comedic scene than for a romantic scene sometimes. Uh, it, it it it's you know it's when you're when you're in that moment you're you know. You, you get you got the roadmap for that moment and and it's up to sh the filmmaker sean that puts all of those things together editorially but uh you know and when you're working with exciting actors that turn you on and uh and bring you up to a level that you're not used to playing in supported by great material surrounded by a geography that is so rich and it, and it's everything you know the dp the, uh scott uh realized the, the 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 financial limitations of telling that story so he told the story in a way that he could move the cameras and and highlight the moments that are very beautiful you know we're very lucky uh to have a director like sean who when moments happen, um, even if it wasn't on the page, he let let these moments happen, and sometimes they wound up in the movie. Most times they wound up in the movie. So you know the the magic and the creative gods that that create these these opportunities that then ultimately all fall together. It's it's a miracle. It's a goddamn miracle uh, when something becomes wonderful and memorable and helps you to escape into the storytelling. And I think this movie achieves that. One of my favorite scenes is right at the very end when it's with Lara who doesn't speak Italian and Gia who doesn't speak English are sitting there discussing you and they're bonding over a bottle of wine. How can food, drink, culture act as a universal language in, in bringing people together? 
Well, because we all eat, you know, that's the one thing is, it, and also, you know, we, we're not that much different. I mean, what, what I'm going through with my family is, is not much different to what some family in Iran, Iran or Pakistan or, you know, dealing, dealing with the anxiety of this, this disease that you cannot see, you cannot taste it, you cannot smell it. It, you know, it can, it, it can infect you and, 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 and cause misery and, and death. Um, and you have no, there's no magic pill. There's no, you know, it's not a red pill. It's not a blue pill. You're just, you know, all you can really do is wash your hands and cover your face. It's, it's pretty frightening. Any favorite memories from, from shooting in Akcharenza? Uh, you know, I really, I really fell in love with Marco Leonardi and, uh, and we had, we had so much fun. Uh, we, we did some excursions. I, my, my history, my uh, parents are from, uh, uh, Avellino in the, uh, in the Campa, Campa, uh, region of Campania. And, uh, and so we went, we went to Salerno, uh, a couple of times and uh and had lunch there and walked around and um we had one day off where the, the whole crew uh and actors went to Positano for a day and a night of R&R &R. it was it was wonderful it was beautiful tony napo who became a really good friend and uh had me in stitches all the time so it it was it, it was we worked hard, but I I had so much fun doing uh, it. You've I know you've you've made a, a a few films in Canada before, and you've expressed a a fondness for us. What do you like about not only this country, but specifically making films in this country and the culture that that we provide? Well, you know, Toronto. I've worked in Toronto, and I've worked in Vancouver. Uh, what I like about the culture uh, of the people. And the theme is that can you know the Canadians' uh, theme is is that don't leave your culture behind. Embrace your culture, embrace and embrace your new culture. So you know what I love about Toronto is the different neighborhoods, the Greek areas, the, uh, the Italian sections, uh, uh, the Croatian, all of these wonderful cultures where people speaking two languages all the time. Uh, you know, and in America you're shamed into having an accent uh you know it's much more tribal and uh and so that you know i i do recall growing up uh being ashamed uh, that i was italian because i was in america now um and, and i love that about toronto and you know as far as making movies it's pretty much a universal language uh you make movies the same way in China, as you make them in, in Toronto or you make them in Jersey City, New Jersey. It's just the people you get to meet, the memories you get to, to build and make. And, and uh, the restaurants in Toronto are the best. You know, I have a lot of friends uh, over the last 30 years of making movies there. Uh, and finally, I got to ask, uh, we, we do know that I'm wearing this shirt today. You re recently got to reunite um, with many of your co-stars uh, from the Goonies uh, on Josh Gad's uh, show a couple months ago what what was that like and and why has that movie why is that movie still so relevant well i i don't know i you know i think it's i think it's uh because we're kids with you know you you know you're little kids when you see it it was the first movie that had kind of big studio themes like indiana jones but for kids uh and and two of the biggest kids I know, Steven Spielberg and Chris Columbus, uh, you know, thunk it up. Uh, and Dick Donner, who's always been larger than life and just the, the funnest director I ever worked for was Dick Donner. And I, I got to work for him a couple of times. But to see all these guys, you know, I haven't seen Donner in 10, 15 years. So, you know, to see all these people, Chris, last time I saw Chris was in Vancouver when I, he directed me in, uh, in, uh, what was that movie, you know, about the, 
I, I look like an idiot now. Um, uh, the one with the kid and his father's Zeus or something. and uh, per Percy Jackson? Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson. <laughs> I'm such a nitwit. Um, yeah, no, I saw, saw I see, uh, see Stephen and, and, and every, all the surviving members. Everybody, all of the actors, you know, those of us that are still survived, we lost uh, Annie Ramsey and, and, uh, and, uh, John uh, Matuzak, but, you know, these kids, I grew up with these kids and, 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 uh, you know, Martha and Carrie and Josh and Sean, I've, you know, I've seen Sean over the years, but it was, it was, uh, amazing. It was amazing and a lot of fun. And we've actually, uh, you know, Key Kwan, I, I, I hadn't seen Key in 10 years. Uh, but we, uh, we all can now, keep in touch uh, via uh, emailing each other or emailing. There was always, there was always rumors of a sequel. Do you think it will ever happen? Well, they've been trying very hard for 30 years. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember running into Steven Spielberg, uh, you know, 20 years ago. He says, we, we, we're going to make it. We're doing it. We're doing it. Uh, and, uh, you know, listen, I just did Bad Boys 3. And and it was the same there, you know, for the last five years, we were making Bad Boys 3 until we actually wound up making it. Uh, I, I I don't know. I don't know how they do it. Uh, but, but I, 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 you know, they just don't make movies that way anymore. Except for Chris Nolan. I, I've been reading about his new movie where he actually blows up a real airplane. You know, he, he still shoots on film. So, you know, he, but... He has the opportunity to demand the way he works, which is a real luxury. There's only about five people in, in all the show business that have, have that kind of latitude. Finally, how do you think we're going to appreciate art and culture once we come out of this? Are we, is it, are we going to be more appreciated? I don't know. I mean, I don't even know. I don't know if we come out of it. You know, I just... While I'm talking to you, it popped up on my screen that the largest number of COVID cases is today. Something like 60,000 people today. That's 60,000 a day. That, that a million Americans were infected in the last 22 days. Jeez. Well, I know it's, uh, it's strange times for us all, but... Uh... And a great time to see a movie with your family on a, over a nice plate of pasta and a glass of wine. Yes. So I hope everybody in Canada watches from the vine. I'm very proud of it and I feel really fortunate to be in it. And I'd love you to see my work. And it uh, comes out streaming on uh, July 10th on the Friday, I believe. And what uh, is today? I, like you said, I don't know what day. I don't know. Today's Wednesday the 8th. So I believe it comes out in... Okay. On, on the Friday, at least that's, that's what Paula was telling me. So, and when does this pop up? When, when is, is this uh, pre-recorded? Yeah, this is pre-recorded. I'm going to try to have it up uh, by Friday, Friday or Saturday. So, um, yeah, that'll be the plan. Just got to do, just got to do a little mental, you know, breakdown of all the, all the podcast interviews I've done in my head and figure out, okay, what can I put where? What can I put where, you know? So. Well, don't break down. But it's, uh, <laughs> Yeah, don't, don't don't break down and move to Italy, right? <laughs> no, definitely do that. You you podcaster, you can do that from anywhere. Yeah, you know, right. buy, buy a nice buy a nice house in in Acerenza for like twelve thousand. There you go. Let's yeah. see. Learn learn, learn Italian. Go, you know, have wine or Sicilian stew or whatever. It'll be great. Be great. Yeah. Well, this is uh, Joe. This has been great. Thanks so much for doing this today, man. Uh, thank you for having me and. Uh, Take care of yourself. Be, be, really take care of yourself. Take this shit for, for granted. Don't get, take it for granted. Be you too. And uh, be, best of luck on the, on, the, on the COVID test today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Right, Ciao. That was my conversation with actor Joe Pantoliano. His new film, From the Vine, is out now. That does it for me today. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. Bye for now. Just
I just like to have a lot of sex. <laughs>